This episode of the Insurance Coffee House is sponsored by Insurance Search. Insurance Search provides executive recruitment services to insurance companies and brokers in the UK and across the United States. Visit insurance-search.co.uk for more details. The Insurance Coffee House, the place where you get to meet and learn from some of the most successful insurance business leaders from across the world. Hosted by Nick Hoadley, CEO of Insurance Search. Welcome to the Insurance Coffee House, the place where you get the chance to meet and learn from some of the most successful insurance business leaders on the planet. Now, today I am joined by Steve Risk, who's the managing director of Common Marine Insurance, which is a Gallagher company based down in Bournemouth in the UK. Welcome, Steve. Morning. How are you? Very well, thank you, Steve. How are things today down in Paul, Steve? Yeah, things are good. Thanks very much indeed, Nick. Uh, business, business is brisk. Um, it's peak season for, for Coleman Marine. Um, so, um, yeah, lots of people on the water. The weather's good. It's a great location for us to be working. So, yeah, all good. Fantastic. And just to give the listeners a bit of background, as the name suggests, Coleman Marine is a specialist marine insurance brokerage based down in Poole, uh, Dorset, which is a lovely part of the UK where we have lots of lovely areas for sailing and water sports and lots of marinas for yachts. And it's just one of the most picturesque places to be in the UK. Now, Steve has been the managing director and the CEO of the business for the last six years. And during that time, he's overseen a merger with Stackhouse Poland and now with Gallagher's. So Steve, if you wouldn't mind just giving the listeners a bit more of a background into your career, what you now do at Coleman Marine, and then what your favourite coffee in the morning is. Yeah, sure. Nick, of course. Uh, it's normally a couple of cups of coffee at the start of the day, actually. But uh, yeah, my, my career, like many um, in insurance, is a cliche. I, I kind of fell into insurance, but, but absolutely delighted that, that, that I have um, or that I did. So I was at PE college studying to be a PE teacher, came out of college and ended up in the city on a short-term contract with a, with a Lloyd's syndicate and ended up staying with that syndicate in Lloyd's for about five or six years and then stayed in the London market and went into broking in a particular sector on marine and, and fine art and specie. And then 15 years ago, uh, moved to the, the south, south coast and then ended up at, at, at an independent broker called Coleman Insurance Brokers, been around for 100 years, very much, sort of medium-sized UK independent broker, great, great reputation in the UK. Uh, went there in a fairly junior role because um, I kind of relocated out of London. And yeah, that was a phenomenal, that was a key part of my career, going to Coleman's. It was a super, super business. I knew it when I, when I first went into that business. Uh, the people I met there, the senior guys were just super people. It had a real feeling, a really good feeling to the business. And yeah, I've been at Coleman since 2006, and um, that's flown by that time. And been through two acquisitions for Stackhouse Poland and, and now Gallagher. So Coleman Marine is a Gallagher company. And my area of expertise has always tended to be marine, uh, marine bias. That that's sort of my background, um, and that's what I do to this day. So now running Coleman Marine as part of the Gallagher business, uh, real niche business within Gallagher, kind of fits with the Gallagher appetite of being a community broker and a specialist excellent and i think our our listeners be interested to hear about managing a business through acquisition process how have you found that over the last few years 
if you're a good business or you're part of a good business, then acquisition is highly likely. You know, M&A has been, been sort of wild in, in the insurance sector for some years, as you well know. Coleman's was always probably ripe for purchase, and I was pleased that it was Stackhouse and Fortis. I think around acquisition, taking out the integration fees, it's around who you're being bought by. Simple as that. You know, you, you have a choice. If you're going to be bought by a business you like and respect, you're going to stay. If you don't, then you're likely to go. So Stackhouse Poland was the first M&A I'd been involved with, and it was managed extremely well by Stackhouse Poland. The senior guys were really good guys. They spent a huge amount of time with us. We got to know them, and it was it was unfussy is probably a really good way of putting it. It, it, it kind of it was well managed. It was structured. And then similarly with, with Gallagher, you know, it, it, Gallagher was a business I knew of because of its scale and, and obviously its reputation in the market and it, it, its culture as well. You know, it, from day one on the on the on the acquisition, you know, it, it felt like the right place for Stackhouse Poland for sure. You know, the senior guys at Stackhouse wanted to go into a business that would be right for the staff of Stackhouse Poland and Gallagher certainly is. I think we've brought a, lo- a lot to Gallagher as a business. And I think with integration, it's around having a plan being structured and actually just communication. I mean, everything that, you know, one of the key parts of my career is, is, is absolutely be clear on communication and you can't over-communicate. So it's making sure that all of the staff in the business are aware of where, where we are, where we're, where we're headed and what integration looks like. So I've enjoyed the acquisition processes, Nick. Actually, I found it from a personal perspective hugely interesting um, and it's a great opportunity to develop your own knowledge and your own skill set. To be frank, we're, we're delighted to be part of Gulligan. Do you think it's an advantage that you are a specialist broker? Do you think that helps with that acquisition? And are you given more reign to continue running the business as you like to? That's a really good question. I think in most businesses that that, that, that would be the case. You know, specialisms, you, you're in it. You kind of know your space. You don't need to be told really what to do in that space. But Gallagher aren't like that anyway. You know, Gallagher aren't the type of business to buy a business and then tell it what to do. It's bought that business for a reason because it's high quality. Um, But yeah, for sure, with Coleman Marine, Gallagher have been massively supportive. We like what you do. It's got a good brand. And I think that's that's a real sign of Gallagher. And and other businesses would be the same in terms of our brand. You know, lots of businesses buy businesses, squash the brand, squash the history. You know, then what have you bought? You know, the value in in Coleman Marine is partly its brand. It's recognised. It has traction. It's been around for 20 years. Uh, Don't whitewash the wall. A great business like Gallagher, but still operate under the Coleman Marine brand is is the best of both worlds, Nick. That's really great to hear. And I'm sure your your customers and your policyholders also appreciate that fact because they're not so interested in who actually owns the company, but about the service that they're getting and the specialist knowledge that, that you can bring to help them with their risk management. 100%. Absolutely nailed it. I think, you know, one one of the things when we, the first, when we were first purchased by Stackhouse, I say Stackhouse were were superb um, in terms of the way they managed integration, but we we made, you know, phone calls. You can't ring every client, but there were lots of communications to our customers. And those customers that I spoke to and my colleagues spoke to, the first question they, they, they asked was, well, how do you feel about it? And actually, you know, if, if you know, it's a relationship business insurance, as you well know, and, and, and say to the client, it's, it's a logical move, it's a good move, I'm personally happy about it, you're going to get the same service, you're going to get the same proposition, and you can ring me at any time, um, I'm still going to be here. That's really all clients want to know. And, and clients will know if you're saying that and you're not being genuine about it, because 
our clients we've kind of had for a number of years and you build up a strong relationship so you, you're absolutely right it, it, it's it's keeping the brand and keeping the people i mean every, everything we do is about the people nick it, it really yeah. is gallagher is a people-driven business and and coleman marine most certainly is we're a small smallish team in in, in the context of, of gallagher a really tight team and that makes it easy to manage the integration yeah. Because you can get your arm, your arms around the team on any given day and saying, this is where we are, this is where we're going. How do we all feel about it? Good. That's great to hear. Uh, Steve, If we, uh, we'll, we'll start now by going through our first round of questions. You mentioned earlier you, you start the day off with a couple of cups of coffee, which is, which is great and good to hear. What do you do on a daily basis that sets you up for a successful day? I think like most people with a young family, Nick, over the years, it's morning should be a bit chaotic. I'm, I'm really lucky that my wife takes care of most things yeah. so when it comes to home. So I kind of get up and get myself ready to work and, and go out to work. I was thinking about this question actually yesterday. And, and for me, one of the lessons I learned some years ago is preparing for tomorrow today, you know, not crashing into tomorrow and, and everything kind of hits you head on as you as you get into the office I, I'm, I'm a real fan of you know planning ahead for me tomorrow is all about what I do for the last knockings of today you know getting in my mind what meetings I have who are my go-to phone calls what are my priorities and, and absolutely addressing not everything can be a priority tomorrow because that's just not a sustainable way of operating what are the things that I need to do tomorrow I must absolutely close these three or four things out tomorrow and they tend to be client-focused things, Nick, actually, because one of the things I've tried to avoid is, is not forget the value in client, the key asset. So really, the, the three or four things that I must do are always client-centric or staff-centric, actually. You know, my world's quite simple, Nick, I think, which is just as well. But, but it's, it, it's <laughs> make sure my staff are in a good place and make sure that, that the clients are getting what, what they want. If I fail on those two things, then, then, I, then I've got an issue. Um, and, and they're the two rules are kind of run by staff and clients, which is really marries up with Gallagher, actually. It, it, it's, you know, it, it, the Gallagher message always, are our staff okay? Are our clients happy? But we get, if we get a tick in both those boxes, the result of financial performance should, should almost be self-perpetuating, should be a natural yeah. byproduct. Yeah. Do you find that clarity of thinking, just because a lot of people could think, actually, Steve's got a really busy job. He's running, you know, he's running a business, a really successful business there. But actually, focusing on those two areas, your clients and your staff, do you do you find that helps to get rid of all the the noise and all the other things which can be a distraction? Yeah, absolutely, Nick. And, and actually, I come from a place whereby I probably used to be quite chaotic as a younger person in the industry. You know, it probably didn't apply myself at times to, to in my early part of my career. It was my career was a route to having an enjoyable time in my 20s working in London you know and actually you know you then take a reality check because you have kids and you get more responsibilities I look back and thought you know what are the things that I got wrong and there were a lot of things there really were and and, and and a lot of it was around just not clarity of thought and not not prioritizing you know on, on my workload yeah I try and strip it down to fairly fairly simplistic simplistic space what, what are my priorities and and work everything from there really you know it, it's a lot of time is spent on staff engagement because you know that 
whilst I might run the business, they allow me to do that. And that, that's kind of the mindset I have on that. I don't have a right to, to well, I probably do from, from an organisation perspective to tell the guys what to do, but we're not like that as a team. We're, we're a collaborative entity. We're, we're very much, I'm part of their team. And I don't ask them to do anything that I, I wouldn't do it or I haven't done in the past. And I certainly don't. And that, that's, that's key for me in terms of leadership. And the other side is clients, you know, just making sure our clients are absolutely getting what they want. So, yeah, clarity of thought and being structured is key to me. Thank you for that, Steve. That's that's fantastic. Really good insight into the way you, you operate yourself, but also as a business, which I'm, I'm sure people will find really motivating and inspiring. We understand that in order to be successful and to get to the top of a business, there's usually some adversity that business leaders have to overcome so as well as asking you what has been your greatest achievement so far in your career what's also been the largest setback and how did you go around overcoming that setback that's a really good question Nick I completely agree you know anybody that is a strong leader and I'm not for one minute saying I am but people that I respect in the market that are they've got some they've got some battle wounds they've got some scars uh, where they've been for a few a few battles yeah there's been a few actually for me professionally a few, you know, significant setbacks, probably a few landmines that I laid for myself as well in terms of, you know, things that I got wrong. And I've learned from those. I've learned more from those challenges than I have from the successes. There's, there's no doubt about that. Um, and they've, they've shaped me as a, as a person, not, not just professionally, but as a person generally. Because I think if you, if you want to be successful in any career, you do have to have a balance, of course, but but I think work does morph into your into your home life. You live and breathe. I mean, Coleman's is a business, for instance. Kind of me and the management team, I was fortunate enough to be part of. We talked around Coleman's running through our veins, and it, and it did. It's an awfully tweet way of putting it, but but I always talked about Coleman's having a, a, a chair around our breakfast table at home. It did. It was part of our it's part of my life because I was so proud of it. But but I guess. The biggest setback I had probably was whilst at Coleman's actually, and, and and you know there was a round of you know people being made directors, and and I was in that in that small number of, of staff that were, were kind of in that in that in that shakedown. So I was actually told I was going to be a director, and that was a big thing for me at that time. You know, I was quite a young guy. Being a director sounded quite cool, and it made me yeah. feel quite grown up, and it had other other benefits, of course. But I, I you know I, I was quite competitive without being brutal far from it but I wanted to move forward you know in my career and uh, money for my family and, and so on and so forth and I didn't make the cut to get on the board and, and that I remember that vividly now that conversation with my boss at that time and I learned a lot from that process and I learned a lot from the way I, I was told I wasn't going to be on the board it wasn't managed particularly well at that time and at least from guys predominantly on that board at Coleman certainly MD at that time I massively respected um but the you know it, the way it was i was told was, was, was a bit destructive and i remember i went off literally within the next two weeks and thought right okay i'm going i'm gonna go and find another job because i don't want to be treated like that and actually i would never treat somebody like that and that's what i always go back to how would i manage that and how would i treat that person if the shoe was on the other foot and i didn't like the way i was dealt with and i did but i didn't leave i kind of rounded myself up and thought actually yeah no actually i'm going to go again because they're wrong and I'm right and I should be on that board and I've got a lot to add to this business and I think I can make this business a better business for the benefit of the staff yeah who I'd worked with for 10 years then Nick these are guys that you know become friends and I wanted to be senior in that business to drive the business forward for their benefit and mine and you you, you mind the clock on three or four years uh, and, and I was 
you know, very, very lucky, probably more luck than capability, to be frank, around timings. But, but clearly, I had to know slightly what I was doing, and I was made joint MD and then CEO. So that was dog determination. You know, I was, I was going to prove my point. I think that point, doggy t- determination, is is crucial. It's about how you how you deal with that and how you keep going from there. Uh, yeah, Nick, I agree. I think it's having that doggy determination, but also having an understanding of who you are as a person mm. and absolutely remaining true to that. So whatever, whether it's good news, bad news, going back to hub, which is you, and thinking, well, this is me, this is how I'm going to deal with it, and, and sticking true to your own principles. Also, whether it's good news or bad news, treating your staff the same way, you know, just, yeah. just you've, got, you've got to feel good about yourself, surely. I mean, even, even if you're senior or whatever, you've got to look back and think, do you know what, I, I didn't really do anybody down. Um, I treated people with respect, and that's vital to me. I, wherever I get in my career, and I'm very happy where I'm at now, I want to be able to look back and go, do you know what, okay, I made a few mistakes along the way when I was younger, but actually I've always tried to do the right thing by those I know and those I work with. That's so true. Going back to the start of your career, you mentioned earlier that initially you came out of school wanting to be a PE teacher. And at the time, I don't think anyone's at school particularly dreaming about being an insurance broker or or a recruiter within the insurance sector. So when did you have that light bulb moment or that eureka moment where you realised you could have a successful career? There were two periods, I think, Nick, actually. I was very fortunate to work for my first job in, in, in the business was with Hiscox and I was so I was there on a, a month's contract and it soon became clear to me that Hiscox was a was a blue chip business. You know, Robert Hiscox had an aura about him. There were a whole load of people in that in that business that you just they were authentic. So I think quite soon into into the Hiscox career, I thought, yeah, I, I, I like this. This is this is a great place. It's a great business. Lloyd's is a phenomenal environment to, to work. I was hugely proud of that um, great place to learn to how to build relationships so at that point but then actually when I, I actually when I thought I could actually progress my career to a, you know a different level I, I think that was soon into into my career at, at, at Coleman's Co- Coleman's kind of felt a bit like a Lloyd's broker it's quite traditional quite more sort of gun dog and tweed than, than pinstripe and red braces it had a real heritage about it and I felt at home there actually when I felt at home, I think most people, when you feel like you're in a natural habitat where you feel comfortable, that's when you can work at your optimum. And that's when I thought I can progress here. Yeah, fantastic. And do you think part of that is coming from London, coming from the big city, and you come down to Dorset and feel that you've got a lot to offer and have that confidence? Yeah, I, I actually see it the reverse of that, Nick, actually. The people in Coleman's had a lot more to offer me than, than, than I could offer them. So I, I think you know, I think there was a time in the London market when the London market saw itself as being slightly superior to the regional market. I think that's definitely changed. That's a good thing. Um, I think Lloyd's kind of ostracised itself from the regions. Yeah. Counterproductive. A lot of good business in the regions. Uh, people like I, sort of, the guys at Coleman's were grounded. They were authentically technical. They were really decent human beings. Um, they, they kind of, they, they planted my feet on the ground. You know, I, I probably saw myself as a broker quite young knew more than they did traveled more than they had you know within a matter of a month or two that 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 got wiped away and also it coincided at the time that i met my wife so she probably planted my feet on the ground a bit as well so you know there were a number of factors coming together at that time in you know that at my age where i kind of thought actually i really want to progress my career but yeah i learned a huge amount from the people that i worked with at coleman's 
And have you had a, a mentor there or someone that's been an influential leader that you've learned from during that time? I think I think there's been a number of people in my career all, all, all have different qualities, different attributes. During the Coleman period, you know, the, the MD at Coleman for many years was a gentleman called Peter Moody. Peter, as a leader, you, you, whenever you spoke to Peter, you felt like you come away from the conversation with, with more than you had when you went to it. Whereas I've met a lot of senior people that you come away from that conversation feeling like something's been taken away from you. That's really destructive leadership. Peter never, you know, you go to Peter and you always come away from that with even more knowledge, more confidence. You just felt better about, about something having spoken to Peter. You know, there was a guy, Simon Fisher, who was running our financial services business at Coleman's and, and probably the most professional, committed, dedicated man I've ever worked with. Just a phenomenal individual. And I learned a great deal from him. But, you know, there's been, there are certainly people in the latter part of my career, you know, nearer to today that, that I'm, I'm learning lots from today. I mean, the Gallagher Senior Management Team is, is something to hold in terms of experience, capability, energy. I can learn a whole load from those guys. And I do try and do that. I try and take glean experience from these guys that have been around longer than me and, and try and, without changing who I am, I just try and add that on as a layer to improve my capability. It sounds like it's a continual learning and even though you're, the, you're at the top of your business, there's still people you can learn from, glean information on and continue to improve. Fantastic, Steve. I'd really like to get your thoughts on how you see the market developing over the next, say, three to five years and how you think insurance business leaders and insurance professionals can adapt to that market to be successful. Yes, great question. A great question to ask me because I'm a very much a traditionalist in terms of the market. I think I think there's a lot of changes coming down the line in terms of digital platforms playing a greater greater role in our market, the way that business is purchased by customers, certainly the way that business is placed is is, is going to be subject to, you know, digital. The Lloyd's market is, you know, look at digital platform, digital placement for many years. I think, I think that will come traction. I hope that doesn't gather too much traction that we lose that face, particularly in the London market, we lose that face-to-face engagement. I think that, that's important. I think specialisms will become more of the flavour of the day. Most certainly we're seeing that now. I think, again, you know, Gallagher, we, we are both a community and a specialist broker, and, and I think we'll always be that. We'd like to have a place on the high street or, you know, in the local town, but we also like to be in the right audience. And I think that's a very sensible very sensible strategy but i think brokers will you know there's so much there's been so much MA activity nick I, th- I think there will be a, a bit of a rebirth around specialist independent brokers potentially i think the mid-market independent space you know there are fewer now and i think potentially there could be fewer going forward but i think there'll be a, a great deal of innovation around technology the use of technology in the insurance space there, there has to be i think organizations will be, be more agile in the way that they work as well in terms of remote working but, but I think it will remain a relationship business despite all of that. I hope it does because I think it's a key ingredient to, to our sector. It certainly is. I think it's really important that the industry remains a relationship-driven industry, but using that technology to assist with those relationships and to assist in the transaction rather than taking things over. Steve, if I can ask you now, we're going to now move into our espresso round the short, sharp, and straight to the point. Can I ask you, are you ready for the espresso round? I am ready, Nick. The espresso round. 
start us off, Steve, what is your favourite success quote? It's a quick fire round, okay? So I've never <laughs> been that succinct, Nick. My favourite success quote, oh, I've probably got loads, but I think it strive to be the best you can. It has to be. And do you try and adopt that into your life? I mean, throughout our discussions already today it seems to be that 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 is a mantra you you try and live by yeah it is you know i I think it it, uh, i was about to say you know a man of of limited capability i'm I'm not but what i do do is squeeze every bit out that i can that i've got um and that's not in terms of working 15 hours a day because those days are over you know people need a work-life balance but you've got to do you know everything that you do you have to do to the best of your ability you know you you, you just do and you've got to be mindful of that um i think you can lose sight of that and you can get drawn into just a process and just a way of doing things. And you've got to check in with yourself. You know, am, am I am I operating at the best of my my ability? And, and you know, you, you do. You've got to ask yourself that question on a fairly regular basis. And what is the number one thing you see holding insurance professionals back from being more successful? A lack of self-awareness at times, I think. I, I think there are a number of things. I think ego is, I think you've got to have an element of, of ego. And I look at people that are, hugely more successful than me and they will have an edge but the really really good guys that i've worked with including you know the guys at, at gallagher and there are some in particular that i'm thinking of right now you know they've got an edge and they really have but they're so comfortable in themselves they're so self-aware and they're aware of what's going on around them and they're aware of what what impact their actions have on others um so it's a balance between having that edge in old school money you wouldn't want to get on the wrong side of them but actually on the other side you know they're there they're going to back you all the way and I just think some people's egos are too big. It's it's all about them. The real the real quality performers. It's not all about them. It's all about you know everybody else. They're probably the last of their priorities. So I don't know if that answers that question, Nick. I just see people that are so hell bent on being successful, they lose sight of what their what implications their actions have on others. And and I've learned that self awareness. You know, and I do it now. I've done it this week, Nick where I've had a conversation with somebody and I, and I actually addressed it really badly. And uh, straight off that phone call of a member of my team, I picked up the phone and said, listen, I've reflected on that conversation. I got that wrong. And actually, you know, I shouldn't have spoken to you like that. And I apologize for that. I value what you do. You're a great guy and I really rely on you. And, and I think just having those, that empathy is, is vital in business. As more successful you are, doesn't mean that you reduce all of your errors. No. You, you don't. Thank you for your, for your honesty on that. That's really insightful and i think it's it, it's great to hear that you obviously empower your staff and but when you do make a mistake as we all do as we're all human beings that you've got that humbleness to actually just address it and help to move on yeah and in terms of your business itself at coleman marine how do you drive forward the standards of the insurance industry there's a number of ways nick i think with that i, I think it's all about day one. It's about recruiting the right people. And I think as an industry, we're sometimes lazy in that space as organizations, as insurers and brokers, where we see, you know, we've got to have a certain headcount. It's bums on the seat. That's not, it's not bums on the seat. It's having the right people in the right seat at the right time, doing the right job. And you've got to be, you've got to be a lot more scientific around the way that, that we employ, employ people, you know, young people coming into the industry. That are, that are hungry, motivated, have good skills. They don't have the technical, but you can teach them. So I, I look for the right people to come into our team. We're almost a, we are a collaborative, and one of the questions that we ask when we interview people is, you know, what, you know, what gives you the right to be part of our team? This team's been 25 years in the building. 
what thinks you what makes you think you can come in there after all that 25 years of, of pain blood sweat and tears and, and that's a crucial question and a crucial answer and, and and i'm not so worried about the technical expertise i want to know who they are as a person you know are they gonna are they gonna front up when things get tough you know one of the other tendencies you know we never run away from problems well i don't want to employ somebody that is going to run to the shadows when we're in tight times and, and none of my guys do they all front up and they all step forward so once we've employed the right per- the right person, then we make sure that they're clear about what's expected of them. You know, we don't try and change their personality far from it. We want their personality coming in and adding into the mix to make it a, an interesting mix of personalities in the business. But we're pretty clear around what we expect of them in terms of effort, commitment, conduct. Yeah. You know, we, we as a specialist, our office is based in the marine environment. Our guys leave the office at lunchtime, wander down to the supermarket to get their sandwiches. They're, they're, they're on presentation. You know, I want them to present our business appropriately when they're in the office and more importantly, when they're outside of the office. Yeah. So it's employ the right people, give them freedom, but give them structure and give them line of sight of what's expected of them. And then it's a regular check-in. Communic- communication is absolutely vital in that space. You know, we have a monthly summary that we send to all of the staff. You know, I talk to our staff every day. I sit in with the staff. Yeah. If they have an issue, they can come to me or the other senior management. And they'll still see me as a broker. Uh, I think that's vital, actually. You know, that's what I am. I'm an insurance broker that manages a team. I'm insanely proud of my team, but I am an insurance broker, first and foremost. So I have an empathy when they might not be doing their new business numbers or they've got a key renewal that they're struggling with. I'm there to help them. I would have gone through that challenge myself, so I've got an understanding. But, yeah, I think it's just treating the guys like human beings. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and they'll respond to that. Yeah, well, I'm obviously very interested in hearing about that from a recruitment perspective and bringing in new people. And I think it's so important that you bring in the right people with the right personality, the right mindset. You don't want to then be trying to change people. Like you said, you want to then empower them and empower them to be successful and to move forward. But if you get it wrong at the outset and you've got the right wrong person or the wrong personality, it's just going to be clashing. You're going to be just banging heads. So I think that's a great insight. And I think that's a real reminder to business leaders that actually to take time in that interview process, onboarding of people, and also to consider people from different backgrounds and different career paths as well. You know, we all say that, insurance people fall into the industry well actually a lot of employers now just require experience within the industry already but if people have got the right personality and the right drive and the right work ethic the other things can be taught as you said and it completely i think we we're we're perhaps ahead of the curve with that in terms of you know looking outside of the industry we're we're a marine broker you know we're talking our clients are people that understand the water, understand the marine world. And what, what they want to be able to do is call us and, and speak to somebody that knows, you know, about boats, about the marine sector. They want to talk to like-minded individuals that are passionate about the sector. So, you know, we went out and employed people that actually probably never heard the term cover note or insurance schedule or policy, but they knew a whole lot more than any of us about, you know, about saving, building boats, selling yeah. boats. And I think that's a way forward. I think, you know, it, it's, I know there's been talk of, some some businesses going out and employing ex-professional golfers because they tend to be guys you want to spend time with on a golf course. It's not rocket science. Clients would love to go and play golf with this guy. It's a, it's a great play. It's a great, great strategy. And, and Gallagher are in that space, you know, in terms of our activity in, in the rugby world. 
you know, we're, we're front and centre in that space and that's a really good strategy and, and we're authentic about our interest in rugby. So, yeah, it, it, as you well know, it, actually in your space, you know, more than I do, it's all about the people. It has to be. You know, we, we are an empty office without our staff and I can sit there on my own. I'm not going to be able to pick up every phone call and it's going to get lonely. My, our business is calm and it's all about the people. Yeah. 100%. Yeah, brilliant. And if they've got that understanding of the sector and that passion for boats and marine life, they know all the jargon, they know what their customers are talking about and actually understand their clients' needs and wants, they can actually provide a better service for that client. Fantastic. Okay, and in terms of Coleman Marine, what do you guys do there to then further develop that talent? So you, you take on a new staff member or you, you have senior management in the business who are now looking to take that next step forward how do you help them further their career there yeah it's a really it's a really good point that nick it's a really good question and actually you know it, it it's difficult in our in our in our business unit because relatively small in the context of the wider gallagher business so if we were coleman marine in isolation as coleman marine probably a bit the ability for, for the staff the younger staff to move up mm. is limited to be to be entirely candid, they're, they're either waiting for me to, you know, retire or, or what have you. And, and then there's a shift around or other people to, well, I'm not going to retire this one. I may look about 65. I'm not. I'm much younger than that. So um, <laughs> I, I'm not going anywhere because I love what I do. But but I'm really conscious of the guys that historically probably didn't have much of a career path. Mm. We're now part of Gallagher. There's, we have an office in 153 locations worldwide. We've got 80 offices in the UK. We've got specialisms all over the place. I would never constrain a member of my team if they said, I want to go and work in our office in wherever, overseas, New Zealand, Australia, you know. Absolutely. Why would I constrain those guys when, if I'd have had that opportunity when I was 25, 26, I probably would have done it. So I go, okay, it would be diabolical if i was to stop those guys so so the ceiling for those guys is is exponentially higher now as we're part of a business that's just on a different scale fantastic i think there's always a there's a slight conundrum because individuals they have their career and they've got their plans their career businesses all obviously have their plan for how they grow it and it's about how to work those things together so that they work for both sides yeah, yeah, agree. I think it's ownership. You know, I think, you know, we often talk in Coleman Marine around our guys having their own, you know, enterprise within the business. You know, Coleman Marine has five or six trading strands of sectors it, it focuses on. So yacht, super yacht, commercial craft, marine trade and cargo. And the guys in that in that world, they've got their own P&L at a local level. That's their P&L. I mean, they've got ownership, you know, so, so run it like it's taught as a young guy. When you're spending money in business, spend it like it's your own money. You know, I've seen people spend businesses' money on things. You think that's that? Would you spend it if that was your own money? And they'd say, no way. Well, why are you spending it? Because it's the business's money. It's still the same currency. It's still the same yeah. value. So, so our guys in Coleman Marine have given a great deal of. Actually, you know, they, they, they don't look. They are looking to progress their careers, but they're so happy and content in their career that they're. they're, they're you know, he's kind of be short-sighted. But if you ask all of them, they're so happy. They're happy doing what they're doing, you know, probably long-term. Right. Because they're given that that autonomy to shape their own areas. They feel like they're in control here. They are. That's great. Thank you, Steve. To finish off with, I'd just like to ask you what you would do if you had your time again. So if you've got all of the knowledge and experience that you've built up over the last 25 years, but God forbid your business wasn't there, how would you go about 
starting a new business or starting a new career again? Good question, Nick. I quite like the fact that I've made quite a few, you know, mistakes because everybody does. And, and that, so I probably wouldn't change anything looking back because actually those, those errors made have allowed me to see those those pitfalls coming a long way off. And, you know, you can't be experienced, can you? You know, it, it's a huge asset, of course. Um, if I was to start a business, um, I, 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 broken record perhaps but it's around the choice of people you have around you you know it, it really is you know i think it's a really tricky question i've not thought about starting my own business because i've always been content and certainly content with, with, with where i am now i'm really in that specialist space so if you if i would if i look back and i was going to start a business i probably wouldn't have that that knowledge it would be you know okay we're a broker and we're going to do everything because i'm that energetic and i just want to go at everything and, and taking that sort of youthful exuberance away and being a bit more clear around that i'm just going to, this is the one strand and i focus on and be really good at it and i think you do as you get older you, you get more considered and and you just know more around strategy. Um, so I'd be better equipped to do it now. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm not going to do that because so I'm really happy where I'm at. Very happy. So listen, there's going to be enough challenges coming ahead of you. What you don't need are challenges behind you, you know. And, and, and I think that's one of the things that's really impressed me about Gallagher, actually, is that, you know, large corporate business, you know, I did go into that slightly fearful of, okay, is there lots of empires? Yeah, there's no agenda. There's no empires. I've worked with much, much smaller businesses where there's a whole lot more empires and agendas. People are trying to scramble over one another. Gallagher is a mature, open-minded business where everybody's trying to help one another. It's just too good to be true. It's not. I mean, I kind of, you know, six months in, I was a bit, hang on a minute, something's got to happen at some point for my realisation or, or my, my worst fears to be realised. It's not. I mean, you know, it, it's, I, I could stay at Gallagher until I retire. And I genuinely mean that. And, and I, it's, I'm proud to wear that badge, you know, every day in front of my clients because I know clients are what, what matters to the Gallagher business. So, sorry, Nick, I've not answered your question. I can't because it's not something I've ever considered doing, to be honest. I think I think we can work out there that you're you're a great advocate for Coleman Marine and also for Gallagher. And should anything happen, that would have serious serious consequences on you. So we just we we won't imagine that thought. There isn't politic. There isn't agenda. There's, you know, two or three very, very clear objectives. Exactly. Let's be, let's be successful. Let's do the right thing by people, and let's enjoy it along the way. I mean, it, it's, you know, simplicity is is part of our success. I think, to be honest. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Thank you so much, Steve. The insights you've given us today have been really, really interesting, and I think a lot of people will take away from what you've been talking about. If there was one piece of closing advice you'd give to our listeners and how can people get in touch with you if they want to reach out to you after the show? I, via LinkedIn, Nick, um, or, or, you know, into the Coleman Marine office. I'm always happy to, to help people. If anybody feels that I can give them some advice, then then I'd be people, plenty of people gave me advice along the way. So, but actually, yeah, I'm, I'm very happy to help people where I can. I think I go back to what I said earlier, always set out to be the best you can be, both as a, as a person, you know, just generally and, and in your professional career. And, and, yeah, strive to be the best you can be and do the right thing by people. And I don't think you'll go too far wrong. Thank you, Steve. I think that's a great message for all those business leaders out there to strive to be the best you can be. And you can't go too far wrong. Thank you very much. And uh, to all our listeners out there, I hope you've enjoyed this show. Please do leave a review and a rating on iTunes or your other podcast provider. And make sure you subscribe so that you get our podcast downloaded straight into your inbox each week. 
I've been Nick Hoadley and this has been the Insurance Coffee House. Take care for now. You've been listening to the Insurance Coffee House with Nick Hoadley. Join us next time to hear more insights and inspiring success stories to help you become a better insurance business leader. Available to download or subscribe now.